0: sideline. tournament is there. Makes the catch at the 30, 20, 10, and just like that! Touchdown, Cougars! On the first play of the game! Takes it down the right side of the lane, right to the rim, scoop, and a score! It rolls around and drops down. Takes this free kick and curls it inside the left post! What a goal!
1: He's been with you for the moments that make your BYU sports memories. He's the voice of the Cougars. And this is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel on BYU Radio, Sirius XM
0: Channel 143. Here now is your host, Greg Rubel. Good evening, Cougar Nation. Welcome once again inside Studio 2 at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah, for our third episode of Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel, an hour of Cougar conversations with some people you may already know but might like to get to know a little better. Great to have you with us on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, byuradio.org, and the BYU Radio app. You can hear the show on demand via the show page podcast at byuradio.org or through my Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel podcast feed on all major podcast providers. And you can follow the show via hashtag BYUBTM. That's BYU Behind the Mic, hashtag BYUBTM on Twitter. On tonight's show... I'll be visiting in studio with BYU women's soccer head coach Jennifer Rockwood and former BYU and Indianapolis Colts linebacker Rob Morris, Coach Rockwood's eighth-ranked team opening the 2017 regular season in 48 hours at Penn State. We'll talk with her a bit about the season, but uh, more about uh, her life and the path she took to get to BYU and become one of the most accomplished coaches in NCAA women's soccer history. Rob Morris, of course, a beloved player at BYU, known for his hard hits and quick wit. First-round NFL draft pick, Rob is among the many Cougars to wear a Super Bowl ring. He's also a member of the BYU Athletic Hall of Fame. And tonight, we'll visit with Rob in our Catching Up with the Cougars segment, sponsored by BYU Alumni. But we start every show. By chatting with one of my friends from BYU TV. And tonight, that means BYU Sports Nation co-host, Jerem Jordan. Jerem, welcome, welcome back in, I should say, to Studio 2. Oh man, this, this is your old
1: home. Is, I love Studio 2. This is where BYU Sports Nation started. Michael Miner said, okay, the first six months we're going to do the show on radio only. And we thought, sweet, we can just kind of mess around, figure this out. And then we didn't figure it out, but we did it on TV anyway. <laughs> And we've been doing it since. So this is a great place. And I mentioned this to you before
0: the show. This this interview is 17 years in the making. Yeah, we're on the radio together now, but it's not the first time that we've been on the radio together, nor is it the first time that you've been a guest of mine on the radio. When
1: I was 16, I went up to you after a BYU basketball (laughs) game and I said, this is your, as Conan O'Brien said, in the year 2000.
0: In (laughs) the year 2000.
1: (laughs) So many things happening in the future. It's great. Mm -hmm. Um, And in this case, the past. I went up to you and I said, how do I get into what you do, you know, broadcast journalism, you told me. And then I had gone to a local Salt Lake radio station, so I had the intent of manipulating you into inviting me to KSL. I don't know if I've ever told you that. <laughs> Have I? Hey, I'm I'm learning about it. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, you said, yeah, if you want to come up uh, to KSL, that'd be great. And so I found myself up at KSL, and for some reason – you let
0: me come on the air with you. Mm-hmm. I had a show Sports back Night then called Sports Night with Greg Rubel. It aired in the uh, mid to late 90s into the year 2000. And again, the year 2000. Again, the year. And, uh, and yeah, you uh, you were an occasional guest of mine.
1: It, you had people call in and ask me questions for prizes. Yeah. Like, it was amazing. Yeah. You were, you were <laughs> kind of my Copper Hills High School yeah. correspondent. Yes. You know, and, uh, and at the time, I had good grades when you asked me. <laughs> Don't ask me after that. But yeah, so it, it's fun to have been at BYU TV for 11 years, and I've been interacting with you a lot. It's awesome that we have you in the building, Team BYU. We're doing things together. In fact, this coach's show, the the coach's show, BYU Football with Kalani Satake. I'm producing it. You're hosting it. This is fun, man. 17 years ago, I come up to you after basketball. Here we are working together. Here I am on your show. This, is, this has been a fun journey for me to be able to connect with
0: you. And in the interim, in this uh, span of, of 17 years, when you were just kind of getting your career started, I had occasion to um, write a couple of letters of recommendation yeah. uh, based on our on our interactions. And I, was, I got of course, some money
1: from you, more essentially, than happy, from
0: BYU. More than happy to have done that over <laughs> our years together. And it's, it's great to see you where you are now, and even better for us to be working together. Yes, my office is just down the hall here from Studio 2 at the uh, BYU Broadcasting Building. And as some may have uh, discovered already on social media, uh, BYU Football with Kalani Sitake, our weekly coaches show, which was heretofore on radio. It had previously just been a radio show. It is now going to be a radio-TV simulcast from Studio C here in the BYU Broadcasting Building. Jerem's producing it. I'm hosting it. So we're teammates and putting this on. And our first show is next Tuesday, 6 o'clock Mountain Time, 8 o'clock Eastern. You'll hear it on BYU Radio right here where you're tuned in now. And you'll see it on BYU TV. And you can be a part of the show. Just go to BYUcougars.com slash Satake Show next Monday morning at 11 a.m. sharp. The seat request link will open. We want to pack the house for Kalani next Tuesday as this a new era of the Coaches Show begins with uh, Jerem producing it, putting it all together. We've had many, many meetings. Many hours have been spent to make this thing look and sound great. We hope you enjoy Most it. Most
1: of which was about the show. Some Some of which wasn't. Yeah, like, whatever.
0: (laughs) But we've enjoyed our time together either way. And uh, next Tuesday, it all comes to fruition. Again, we hope there's a big crowd on hand, uh, again, for this new era and new look. And there's no one better to be working with, uh, speaking for both of us, than Kalani Satake. We got to spend some time with Kalani in Studio C yesterday, just giving him kind of a feel for the vibe and a run-through, and you already get a sense of just how much fun it's going to be.
1: Yeah, he's the star of the show, and it's going to be awesome. His personality is amazing. And what you've done with that show on radio has been awesome. And from the TV perspective, and we'll continue to be on the radio, uh, we're going to keep that great energy and vibe going. We're going to double the crowd uh, with the Studio C setup. You're going to be able to see it. We're going to play you a video. We're going to show you graphics. If you're watching on TV, you can still listen on BYU Radio right here. Of course, all kind of on-demand options. But it's going to be great. Uh, Q&A element to this, not only for the studio audience, but... Use the hashtag Satake Show. So if you're like, oh, I want to get my question to Kalani, you can do that. A player will be on every week. You can ask the player questions as well. So it's going to be a unique show. There's Obviously, we talk a lot about BYU and its unique stuff, one of which is the school, but also the opportunities afforded the fans to have access to the coach. You can ask Kalani and a player a question on the weekly basis, and if – I,
0: I'm filtering those questions so if you make it good we'll get it in baby it is it is truly represent, representative of Cougar Nation uh, if you're in town or local we want to see you in Studio C of course what a cool thing just to be in Studio C it's a great environment and it's a wonderful they building a sh- they did a show in there or something I heard yeah I, and they may have even given it that, that, that was that, it Granite that Flats I can't remember pretty sure it was Studio C oh oh that makes and, sense uh, and, and so being in the environment is a great thing and uh, doors will open at 5 o'clock every Tuesday and so show up and the uh, Studio doors will open. We'll seat people. We, we've got a cool setup in the building. Uh, We're going to have X number of seats available. I'll just say X number of seats available. It's a big number. Of those seats, about 20 plus are going to be on the floor, on the football field set, if you will, on the floor close to Kalani. We're going to find unique and interesting ways to get some of our fans into those uh, VIP seats yeah. every week field and seat. so you're if you, literally if you are field. here early uh, you're going to find a way to have a chance to get upgraded from the main big awesome st- uh, theater seats down onto the floor where you're really close to Kalani so uh, that'll be part of, of the interactive uh, nature of the show before the show begins it'll start at 6pm and then we're off and running and again I, th- I think fans will really dig it if you're if you're local or in town by all means find a way to get to the, uh, the seat request link and get in the building but if you're not wherever you are you can still join us you can see us you can hear us and and you can contribute by using the hashtag Satake Show. Hashtag Satake Show with questions or comments and we'll find a way to get them on the air uh, for the player and the coach, Satake. We've got a good sense of who our first player is going to be. Not going to say it yet, but we have a pretty good vibe on, on who's going to be our first player. I think fans will really enjoy it. We always want to make this thing feel uh, kind of like a party every Tuesday, like it used to be, at the President's Loge at Lovett Albert Stadium. Great venue there. Even better, I think, to be here at BYUB and Studio C to bring a whole new look to. So we've said a lot about it. It'll be a lot of fun, but uh, next Monday morning, after Sports Nation, so when Sports Nation gets off the air at eleven o'clock Mountain Time Monday, get right to your laptop, click on the seat request link byucougars slash satake show, and request your seats for our first ever BYU TV production of uh, Kalani's Weekly Show. All right, that's a big spiel, but I think uh, well worth the time we spent to let people know this is happening and happening next Tuesday. And I'm really glad you're a part of it. Good to be your teammate right
1: now. Yeah, let's go, man. I'm I'm stoked. Obviously, it's game week next week. So we kick it off with all kinds of amazing stuff. We continue behind the mic on BYU Radio, BYU Sports Nation. Super Tuesday, after further review, after the rear of BYU Sports Nation, BYU football with Kalani Sitake. So three hours on BYU TV next Tuesday, and then we're going, man. It's game week. It's Portland State on Saturday. It's
0: McGregor Mayweather that <laughs> night. I mean, th- it's going to be a fun week next week. You guys have been kind enough to have me on uh, Sports Nation Wednesdays. Uh, it's, it's, it's my show night now, so we come on Wednesday morning, talk about what's coming up on the radio show as we're in it right now. and uh, so We've talked a lot about what's gone on uh, during camp, and I've gotten a pretty good sense of what you think, but I'm going to turn the tables a little bit and, uh, and, and ask you what you guys asked me this morning relative to either surprises, things you're not surprised about, an MV for camp? Because I, not, I, I didn't hear what you ended up saying, maybe were your answers this morning. So uh, from, from what you've seen and heard from camp, uh, how would you answer those uh, questions?
1: I'll be honest, I'm surprised that Tanner... I'm surprised that I'm not surprised that Tanner Mangum has been as good as he was. Sitting behind Taysom Hill and being able to do what all the classic great BYU quarterbacks did, which was wait their time in an offense... I think was really beneficial. There was a lot of convo, right, among the fan base. Play Mangum. Why is Hill playing? In the end, we're going to see that that was the right move. If you do, if you don't see it already, Tanner Mangum needed that time, and here he is, crisp, precise, owning the offense, the leader, the guy. If you only saw the spring game and the and the bowl game, granted, both of those were like in the rain. Uh, yeah, that affects a passer. You would have thought, oh, I don't know about Tanner Mangum. But Tanner Mangum's been the guy, man. And he is the—I'm not surprised by that element, but I wanted to see it because I knew it was a little shaky. He came out and talked about some of his battles with mental health, which I think was really brave. Here he is, upfront about that, owning that. And he has been the guy in fall camp. I've loved that. I've loved seeing a tight end or two or three or four catch a lot of passes. I think Matt Bushman's going to be a game-changer for BYU. MLP moving to tight end— what a tremendous move. Mm-hmm. And we've seen moves like this before in recent years, and they haven't all worked, right? Um, but these ones I think are going to be really good. The receivers have impressed me. Running back's pretty quiet. I'm excited to see what they can do, but we're not talking about them a ton. Who's the Who are the D-line guys? I think there's some ballers in there. Little young. Linebackers, talent, obviously. Secondary, a lot of experience there. I, I just see a comfort level that last year was like, welcome to orientation, BYU football, new coaching staff. This year is... All right, we're ready to rock. Let's go. And we're going to see that next week.
0: Did you pick an MVP or MVPs from camp so far?
1: MVP, Tanner Mangum's the obvious answer, so I'll pick somebody else. I think Matt Bushman. He's just so involved and he's in the end zone. Like he's, he may rent an apartment, he might rent space in an end zone every week for BYU. Like he is cashing in those checks, scoring points, reminding me of guys we, uh, we've had here in the past that are third down machines. I, BYU was good on third down last year, I think like 47%. I think they're going to be even better this year on third
0: game. It'll be hard to be as good, if not better, just because Taysom Hill was so much a part of those third and shorts that he could convert uh, running or passing. But if they are as good or better, I think it'll be in part because a lot of those short games uh, running are become tight end receptions. And so that's a big part of it. Uh, really good to have you in uh, here in week three. And again, to, uh, to, to renew our radio relationship that began many, many, many years ago. In fact, I recall, this is one of the funny moments, uh, back when I was hosting uh, Sports Night uh, in the late '90s here in Salt Lake, you came on the show one time, and again you were like kind of a frequent guest. It was kind of you know you were 16, 17, whatever it was. was some long 15. summer nights, man. You were a high school kid, and you were coming <laughs> on the show, and you you one time you held the phone up to. <laughs> You held the phone up to some kind of tape player in your house and you were playing back to me on my show a cassette tape of me calling the BYU UTEP triple overtime win in 1998 I think it was. McKelly
1: McKelly Wesley is fouled.
0: So, McKelly so, Wesley is fouled. So there I was on I've my got those show. Yeah, I was on my show hearing myself through your <laughs> phone and a annota- tape. It was a surreal moment <laughs> it was and here a we are yeah. all these years later. I right.
1: remember thinking later like, "Oh wow." Like, like, I I thought, oh, this is cool.
0: I remember thinking,
1: he didn't have anything else that night to do? That's, no, you were you're a, a featured part of the show. But it, <laughs> it was kind
0: of I thought, wow, there's a kid that taped my stuff. This is pretty cool. All right, so uh, we'll do this again many more times. Uh, Jerem, thank you. You're the and, best. Uh, yes, I will see a lot more of you as we are planning this coach's show, talking and meeting almost daily. I uh, look forward to it. Thank you. Uh, we will do this again. Thanks, Greg. All Thanks right. That is Jerem Jordan, and we are heading into our first break coming up. The head coach of the BYU women's soccer program, Jennifer Rockwood, as the Cougars get ready to hit the road. Tomorrow morning, we're at the airport off to Penn State as the Cougars open the 2017 season at the Nittany Lions. Cougars, Lions, oh, it's a cat fight. It's a soccer game involving felines, feline mascots, head-to-head. Friday night, you'll hear it right here on BYU Radio. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel, Jen Rockwood next. Stay with us.
1: Welcome back to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel.
0: Later in this hour, Rob Morris, the former BYU and NFL linebacker, joins us. Our thanks to Jerem Jordan of BYU TV Sports for being our kickoff guest. On this week, our third episode of Behind the Mic with Greg Grubel here on BYU Radio. Well, a longtime Oregonian Jennifer Rockwood has now spent more of her life in Provo than in the Northwest, I think. And for that, BYU women's soccer fans are happy and have been rewarded with one of the top soccer programs in the country. For 30 plus years as a player for BYU, club coach at BYU, now Division I head coach at BYU, Jennifer Rockwood has been an inseparable part of BYU women's soccer and she has the numbers to show for it. More than 350 wins at the D1 level, still fewer than 100 losses and 18 NCAA tournament appearances in her 22 Division I seasons, only one of which one of 22 has ended with anything other than a winning record. Under Coach Rockwood, BYU's become a national Power, An annual attendance leader as well, and once again in 2017, a team in the top 10. Soccer is in her blood, but there is much more to coach Jen Rockwood than might be apparent on the pitch. It's been my pleasure to get to know her a little better in my role as the team's radio play-by-play broadcaster, and it is my pleasure to help Cougar Nation get to know Jen a little better by bringing her into Studio 2 on Behind the Mic. Jen, thanks for coming in.
2: Hey, thanks, Greg.
0: You are fresh off the practice field, yes?
2: Yeah, ran right up here.
0: Now, I know because Taylor Isom was on Sports Nation yesterday, said you gave the girls a day off yesterday. Very nice mm-hmm. of you. Uh, what?: have been working hard. <laughs> yes. The day off comes well-earned, and they were back on the pitch today. So at this time of year, when you've yet to play your first regular season game, but they've been really going hard at it for quite a while, when you include the fact camps preceded training camp, there's been a lot of soccer played by these girls already.
2: Uh, it, there really has been, and, and you can see that uh, their preparation has been amazing—probably the best we've ever had. Um, most of the girls uh, found their way into Provo and were working camps. Uh, you know, we put almost three thousand kids through camp this hmm. summer, so we were really busy the month of July. But they're all in town, working out, training, and and you can really see their preparation has paid off for them uh, during these crazy double days.
0: So I mentioned off the top, um, Oregon was a big mm-hmm. party, a big party. But but your parents attended BYU, and you, although we associate with Oregon as growing up, you were born in Provo.
2: Ah, yeah. I'm as true a cougar as there can be. Both my parents uh, were at BYU, and uh, my uh, dad actually worked um, for the BYU police here on campus and rushed my mom to, in a police car over to Utah Valley <laughs> Hospital. And Sirens that, blaring? That, yeah, that's where I started. That's where I started out, in Provo.
0: So there was a tie to BYU. You were born in Provo. How long did you spend here before you ended up moving away?
2: Um, I think just through kindergarten. My dad got a job in in Portland, actually in Lake Oswego, and so the family headed out there and basically raised there as as an Oregonian in Lake Oswego uh, in two different homes and went to Lakeridge High School and uh, just had a great time growing up in Oregon.
0: How much um, was Oregon part of your nature? How, 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 How closely tied were you to that region of the country compared to, say, a place like Provo?
2: Um, I felt I was, but, you know, all along I kind of felt that I wanted to be uh, at BYU, you know, having both your parents there and a a member of the church and just wanting to be in that kind of environment. I always had a strong desire to attend BYU. I actually was hoping uh, to be on the basketball team, but I wasn't quite good enough. Um, I went to uh, Rick's back in the day and and played a year of basketball there because they didn't have soccer at BYU. You were on
0: on scholarship as a basketball player at Rick's, yeah? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah,
2: I was. Um, So you
0: were good enough to be a a Juco college basketball player. I played
2: a lot of sports in high school. So I I guess I was pretty good at a lot of sports, but not super awesome at any of them. um, What did you
0: play altogether?
2: You know, I played soccer and I did track. I threw the javelin and the discus. I wasn't quite a sprinter uh, like all my other soccer teammates. But um, I had basketball, track, softball, um, and soccer. Uh,
0: What position did you play, first of all, on the pitch? And what were you as a basketball player?
2: You know, my first couple of years, I was more of a defensive kind of holding mid. And we had this great All-American um, that I, I played with her my freshman, sophomore year. And when she graduated, my coach is like, you know, we want to try and turn you into goal scorer. So my junior senior year, I was a forward. Um, so I scored a few goals. Uh, we had a great high school team. Back in the day, club wasn't as big as it is now. Um, now kind of high school takes a back seat. But, you know. 35, 40 years ago when I played, um, what did you, know, you ta- it was pretty big.
0: What did you take to more naturally, defensive mindset or offensive mindset?
2: Uh, I like to attack. I like to score goals. I like to make things happen. So I, I would say probably more on the attacking side. And that's why I played when it came to BYU as well.
0: And when it came to basketball, what were you?
2: You know, I was a very short power forward. Um, <laughs> didn't have great ball handling skills, but, you <laughs> very know.
0: Short
1: power forward. I
2: was a power forward. And in high school, I could get away with it. But at college, D- D1. You know, I had to try and I wasn't tall enough, you know, and I had to try and play more of a shooting guard. And I wasn't a great shooter, uh, but I could rebound pretty well. And I could put the ball uh, in the net, in the hoop, I guess, uh, from about 10 feet in is about my whole range.
0: So, so from Lake Oswego to Rexburg for a season of basketball mm-hmm. at Ricks when it was still Ricks. Just a year, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, How did you like Rexburg and what uh, what put you on the move?
2: I loved Rexburg. You know, I never planned on going there. I always kind of plan on going to BYU. But the last minute I said, you know, why not go check it out? Um, take a, you know, a little bit of a scholarship, help the folks out, uh, play some basketball. I knew some kids uh, from high school going there. So I gave it a year. I loved it. It was so fun, um, just so friendly. I had a great experience, but um, to be honest, it was really too cold for me. Um, <laughs> and I miss, I miss playing soccer. I knew BYU had a club team. And um, so I just decided after the year, it was a good year, but you know, I wanted to get a little bit more focused on my academics and get into my major. And, uh, and then uh came to BYU my, you know, my second year.
0: And when you got to BYU, academically, uh, business
2: Uh, Yeah, I didn't know for sure. Um, But I I thought maybe education, too, uh, because I thought I would want to coach and teach a little bit. Um, But I was kind of drawn to business. Um, I kind of like doing things the hard way. And I like to challenge myself and push myself. And so... You know, by my senior year, I thought I'd probably gotten myself in over my head and I wanted to change. But, you know, I stuck it out and, yeah, I graduated in business finance.
0: So we're about the same age. Uh, we graduated mm-hmm. high school about the same time. We're actually at BYU mm-hmm. at roughly the same time without knowing each other. Uh, you were at BYU. Uh, scholastically, you talked about what you, what you were into. But club soccer was something we had. And mm-hmm. you got on the team, right?
2: I did. Uh, yeah, it was, you know, all my, all my great friends in college were on the team. Uh, I was used to that from high school. You know, just having a great kind of family mindset there with all your friends you get to hang out with and work hard and, and compete with. And so I, I really enjoyed my time playing. Um, you know, when I first came, uh, you know, soccer wasn't even in the high schools uh, here in Utah yet. Mm-hmm. And I had um, had the fortune of playing just on a girls' team from a young age and all through high school. But it just it wasn't very big here yet and We're talking uh, early Utah. to mid-80s here. Yeah, mid-80s, I came, I came yeah. to BYU in 85. Yep. 85, I graduated in 84 from high school. Mm-hmm, me too. Um, yeah we have lots of similarities yeah, we, found we found out, out yeah. yeah, but um yeah, I came here, just had some great friends, and our team got a little bit better each year by my junior and senior year I had kind of we, we wanted to make it as, as competitive as we could, so you know I took over some scheduling and some more administrative duties and and that kind of was what set me up for being where I am today
0: that 's the thing you were a player on the club team. And kind of a player coach in terms of at least getting your feet wet and in terms of what it takes to run a program. And you mm-hmm. were doing that while a junior and a senior here at BYU playing and doing some of the other stuff like you talked about. Yeah,
2: I mean, we had some coaches, but, you know, a lot of them just wanted to come and coach. They didn't want to do, as, as most coaches know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scene, probably more on off the field than on the field. And so, you know, I, I started scheduling and doing some of those administrative things. And, you know, the people, sports at BYU, as strong as it was, they just weren't as familiar with soccer. And so um, that's where I kind of stepped in and got things going. So,
0: Did you, at that time, when you're still playing and still a student at BYU, but now doing some administrative things, did you foresee a vision of a club program ultimately becoming at some point a Division One program? Did, was that something you even thought about?
2: Well, I, I thought and, and hoped, um, you know, there had been talk of, you know, with Title IX kind of coming back in those days and, and BYU talking about any, another women's sport. I knew it was maybe out there. I never thought at that time that I really would have anything to do with it. Hmm. You know, we were just... I was trying to decide what I wanted to do with my life. I, I had an opportunity after I graduated to start teaching at a private school uh, and coaching. And so I was like, you know, I have this great opportunity. Why not try it out? See where it takes me.
0: And that was Waterford and Salt Lake, yeah, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. It was Waterford who originally started down in, in Provo um, on 9th East, actually. That's where origi- Waterford originally started. And uh, Nancy Houston, the head mas- master there, allowed me to coach the high school team. So that was actually my first coaching job was Waterford High School 1A.
0: While you were club coaching here? Yes, right? and so I was a
2: full-time teacher.
0: So club yeah. coaching at BYU and teaching and doing athletics mm-hmm. at Waterford, Yeah. your hands were super full at that time, just out of college. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you look back at those times? How? What, what's the prevailing memory of those days?
2: Just great memories. You know, I, I love working and being busy and being around people and, you know, I love teaching and being around kids and having the energy and just the excitement that they have. And I knew I was going to probably coach, um... As I, as I got older, you know, maybe high school, but again, never foresaw anything uh, that I, you know, that I'm doing right now. But just great memories, some really good opportunities and some people that believed in me when I was very young and very inexperienced. And just was kind of thrown into a lot of things at an early late age and just kind of tried to learn the best I could as, as fast as I could.
0: From Waterford to Meridian... And more coaching and more teaching and not just PE teaching, but actually you, you were in the classroom at that point. Didn't you get to a point where you were actually teaching in classes, things that you were – what math yeah. or –
2: Yeah, I, I loved I, – I taught World Civ. I remember going to my headmaster and, and saying, hey, I, I love teaching. I'd like to try the classroom. I think I was actually the only – Uncertified teacher at the private school But again, some people Believed in me at a young age And gave me some opportunities And so I taught world civ I taught algebra Uh, I actually uh, was a middle school supervisor Um, You know, got to deal with all the problem kids But uh, those are the kids I usually love the most Because they are the most energetic And the most fun to be around um, so, and yeah. more and
0: more administration, ADing. At some, you were like an yeah. AD at one point for the junior high level.
2: I was all uh, the while you're still the club high coaching. Level. Yeah, oh, so
0: you were a high school AD yeah. while you were club coaching at BYU.
2: Yeah, yeah, I did a little <laughs> bit of everything. It was fun. I kind of do a little bit of everything now too. But um, again, great experience. I remember going up to the Utah High School Association and sitting in a room with athletic directors and. I think I was, you know, maybe 25 years Super old. Super
0: young. You're just out of college. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But, we you know, Meridian, you know, they wanted to have high school basketball and and um, boys basketball and girls basketball and soccer. And, you know, we started to try and get those programs up and going.
0: And so there's probably five or six years after you've left as a club player that you've been the club coach and doing all this other stuff, ADing and teaching. And, and you're you're also coaching at the at the high school level mm-hmm. uh Probably boys and girls soccer at this point. I mean, you're doing it yeah. all, aren't yeah. you? I mean,
2: yeah, you got to be busy. It's fun. You can't. You got to look for opportunities to learn and to grow. And you know, I look back on that, and you know, me and 15 passenger van and 14 high school boys uh, <laughs> off to I don't even remember who we played Toilla, but we had long road trips and uh, just great memories, a lot of fun. I
0: wonder how many women at the time high schools were coaching boys teams at that time. I wonder.
2: Probably not very many. I don't think there are many today. How how did the guys respond to you? Um, I think they, they did great, you know, um... I just, you know, sometimes you, you're put in these positions, all you can do is the best you can. And uh, I, I tried to do the best I could, and I expect the players to do the best that they can. And and uh, I had a great time with them. I run into them, you know, hmm. over the years. And, uh, you know, the, some of the times their kids are at our camp, and they come and say hi. And um, it's just fun to look back on those memories.
0: And, and, and you know, wait, soccer soccer, whether it's a mm-hmm. guy, a boy's team or a girl's team you're coaching. Sure. Um, and clearly you had the kind of resume that I think would, would you know, demand their attention and their respect. Um, I think it's kind of cool that you had a boys team under your charge for a while.
2: Yeah, that was fun for a few years. Yeah. yeah it's good times.
0: So uh, plate really full for a number of years. And then BYU decides that they're going to take this soccer program to the Division One level. Mm-hmm. And that's now 1995. So you've gone mm-hmm. from the 80s to the 90s. And you had a nice long association with the women's program, of course. Did you think mm-hmm. you would be the person they turned to to usher BYU into Division One soccer in 1995?
2: Um, certainly didn't expect it, uh, but I was hoping they'd give me a chance. Uh, I remember applying for the job and thinking, you know, it's probably not realistic. I don't really have any Division One experience. I do have some experience coaching, Uh, at BYU and and I figured you know I'll apply if I get it then I'll go forward with that if not you know I love teaching and I had a lot of opportunities uh, in a different direction as well
0: do you know what kind of competition you had for that coaching job in 1995 here at BYU
2: um actually I don't Hmm. I'm not sure you know like I said soccer was still pretty young you know I always say I think they picked me because I was young and super cheap (laughs) um And uh, they just, they weren't as familiar. But again, you know, Elaine Michaelis and Ann Valentine and Lou Wallace, you know, gave me a chance. Um, They they believed in what I might be capable of and and gave me a chance. And I, I owe a lot to them.
0: So your first two years at BYU as the head coach of a Division I program, you're playing in the WAC. You win 11 games your first year, 22 games your second year. Uh, no NCAA tournaments in either of those years, but of the next 20 that have come, you've only missed two mm-hmm. NCAA tournaments. You've been to 18 of the last 20. You probably remember the years you don't go as much as you remember all the years you do go. Mm-hmm. But um, to to take it from where it was, club to then D1, a couple of years without it, and then be there kind of every year, um, there there's in some ways a burden of expectations, but I'm sure you don't look at it that way. How do you view... The expectation that you're going to be in the tournament every year—it's just the way it goes.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I, I had a lot of help along the way—you know, on and off the field at BYU and friends and family and support—and you know, you always have to have so many different people to help you get to where you are. And and I was fortunate to be around such great people throughout all those years. Um, but you know, as you win and and as you achieve, then then people expect, and and so. You know, it's like we talk about with the girls. I mean, there's a lot of expectations around those girls. Some of them haven't been around very long. Some of them are just new, but the expectation of our program is there. And so dealing with the pressure and recognizing that, you know, nothing's guaranteed. All we can do is try to be our very, very best and represent BYU the very best we can and to commit to uh, being our best for each other.
0: Of your 22 seasons, one season with a losing record. Which one was that?
2: I remember it. Um, It was right after we went to the Elite Eight. We graduated a a huge class, including Alicia (laughs) Kramer-Rose. She played Um, four straight
0: years for you, left in 2003, and then in 2004, Uh the one quote-unquote down year out of your entire career here.
2: Yeah, and you know, it was a unique year because we actually were still a very good team. You know, soccer can be determined on one shot and one goal, and that year we just found ourselves on the other end of one-zero games, and we've been fortunate to find ways to win, and we were in most of those games. In fact, we probably played and outplayed our opponent in a lot of those games, but just couldn't find a way to win. So, um, you know, looking back, it was still a great team, um, but uh, that's something that we've we've tried to do over the years is, is to find ways to win, and, and it can be done in many different ways through many different people. And um you know, it was a good learning experience. We came back and, and we're really solid. Yeah. The following the year. the next year,
0: you lose only twice mm-hmm. all season. Make it to the second round of the NCAA tournament, where you've been more often than not, as you talked about. So that's kind of standard that Jen has set over the years. Um, family, you are the oldest of five mm-hmm. kids, right?
2: Yes, I have four younger brothers, and they're
0: all Jays. You're a Jay. They're all Jays.
2: We're all Jays. Yeah, my dad was Jerry. And my mom was Kay.
0: Rattle off the Jays for us. We're the brothers?
2: Yeah, so John, Jason, Jared, and Jeffrey. All came through BYU, so it was awesome because... You know, uh, in a 16-year time span between them coming and going on missions and coming back and graduating, I had one of them close by. Um, since my youngest brother, Jeffrey's graduated, you know, I, I don't have any around. Jason came back for one year, but then he left us again. So, um, But uh, I'm pretty close to him because I do travel a lot with recruiting and with mm-hmm. the team. Uh, they're very supportive. And, uh, you know, again, y- your family is so important, and, and I have a great family that supports me in what I do.
0: Were you a Jen, Jenny, or Jennifer growing up most of your life?
2: Um, well, I was never a Jenny except my parents called me Jenny. So a lot of people in the ward knew me as Jenny. And so when <laughs> I'd come back, people would call me Jenny. Um, but I was a Jen, Jennifer. Actually, in high school, they called me Rock um, because there was four Jennifers on our team. And some of us went by our last names.
0: Some some teams um, only called only call their coach, Coach. Mm-hmm. and And yet... I think a lot of your girls, Jen, you're Jen Mm -hmm. for a lot of them. Um, And uh, has that always been cool with you?
2: Yeah. When I first started coaching, I just felt I was so young that it was weird to be called Miss Rockwood or Coach Rockwood. And so... I've never gone by that. I've always, even my high school kids, I just had them call me Jen. I, even some of my students called me Jen until I was a middle school supervisor. And then I was asked to go by Miss Rockwood, but, um, I just always felt it was a little impersonal. Um, and so, yeah, everyone's just called me Jen and, uh, Uh, by my choice so
0: but they call her jen like anyone else would call a coach coach and that's (laughs) who she is and she (laughs) has the respect that she's earned over the years of her players i'm going to talk about a few of your players here in a second because a new ranking came out tonight that features some byu players prominently but you mentioned jerry Mm -hmm. Uh, jerry passed away a couple years ago Mm -hmm. um, leaving your mom up in oregon Mm -hmm. and that's where she was for quite a while but mom's now closer to home
2: yeah, we just moved her here. Um, she's building a house out in Mapleton. I'm in Springville, so uh, you know, four miles away. So excited to have her out here, and uh, her and my dad always planned on coming out here as they got older and uh, retired. And and I would and see your so, I would
0: see your parents both at games yeah. on the road and home, and so it was, yeah, yeah, they traveled
2: a lot. In fact, last time we were in Oklahoma, my parents surprised me. They know I'm kind of, I'm kind of intense, and I, I don't <laughs> like people around during games. So they would just show up at places on the road. I didn't know that they were coming or not, and or they would call. Chris and Bug and set up uh, tickets at home. If they came in to town, they wouldn't tell me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, last time I was in Oklahoma. They had made the trip out to that that game as well.
0: And so you probably thought about that because we were just yeah. there last week. So mm-hmm. our, in your return to Norman, that probably came to mind, and that's oh. probably a fond memory of Jerry and, and Kay. And oh, that, for sure. That, yeah.
2: They were my biggest fans, of course. I mean, usually that's one thing that's taught me in coaching is that the, your parents are always your biggest fans, and it should be that way. And so sometimes parents, you know— don't appreciate or like some of the decisions that we make as coaches um but they're only because they think their kids are the best and and it, they should think that so I, i've just had to come to terms with that because i know my parents probably don't think that i ever make a mistake either <laughs> um but parents are always the kids biggest fans
0: and now with Kay being closer we'll see her more frequently we mm-hmm. i saw her just at, most recently i guess home at least at the at the blue white game and she'll be around uh, uh a lot more frequently it's wonderful she's a wonderful woman and very friendly and uh and very live, lively and, yeah, and, uh, yeah no, she's wonderful. It's great. Um, I mentioned your players a minute ago. Yeah. Uh, top Drawer Soccer is a website, topdrawersoccer.com. It's it's one of the the premier soccer websites nationally. It has a real good feel for the game at all levels, college, pro, etc. They came out with their Women's National Top 100 ranking tonight. This is the preseason national ranking of 100 players. Three BYU players in the top 100, actually in the top 60. Taylor Isom uh, comes in 10th. This, again, just out tonight, topdrawersoccer dot com. This is their top one hundred women division one, women's division one players. Taylor Isom, tenth, Nadia Gomes forty sixth, uh, Busy Bowen fifty ninth. Mm-hmm. So three of the top sixty come from your program, and uh, two of the three, not coincidentally, are captains mm-hmm. and people you're really expecting to lead you here in uh, twenty seventeen. First up, just the honor for those three, and what you hope they and your team lead you to here in uh, twenty
2: seventeen. Um. I would certainly have Nadia a lot higher and Busy a lot higher, but I'm a little biased, I guess. So, um, you know, for Taylor to be considered, um, you know, one of the top players in the country, she's earned it. And um, you know, she's played against some of the top teams in the country over her career and has stood out and dominated WCC Defender of the Year. Um she was a second team All-American and probably could have been a first team All-American, but we already had one uh, with Ashley there. Um, she's a
0: Herman Trophy candidate this year.
2: Yeah, I mean Taylor's just done everything, and, and she's had quite a road here, and it hasn't been an easy one. And it, it just shows the, you know, what these kids do to uh, play the game they love and to try and play it at the highest level. But you know, this is Taylor's sixth season. Um, she's come off of I don't even know how many knee surgeries three ACLs didn't play her first three years with us stuck it out learned from some of the you know top players that, that we ever had you know playing behind Lizzie, Lindsay Lindsay Lisonby and Ashley bazzaroni and and seeing how they did it at the highest level and and now she in turn is is having such a big impact on her teammates um, just like Nadia is and busy you know and, and these girls um, do so much for each other they're truly a family and I think our team chemistry is is what allows us to to, to have a successful program, um, to have the work rate. Uh, they work so hard for each other. They compete so hard each and every day. But, you know, Taylor's been a phenomenal leader for us. She was our captain last year and, and this year added with uh, Hannah and Busy. You know, Busy's played, I think, started every game of her career here. She has, here. every single one. Um, and, and she's seen it all through the, the good, the times, uh, the ups, the downs, uh, the celebrations, the frustrations. But, you know, that's what college athletics and life is all about is, is uh, putting yourself out on the line, giving it all you got. Sometimes it doesn't work out, and you learn from it, and sometimes it does, and you celebrate it uh, with those you love. And so, you know, I have so much respect for those kids, and I think some people will get to know some names um, of some other girls on our team. Um, like I said, I, Nadia is so good right now. I don't know that there's many forwards out there with her abilities, so we certainly have a lot of expectations. She's probably our uh, really our only returning player that, that has some points on the board for us. Um, but uh, I feel like we're pretty loaded. We've got a lot of great players on the team.
0: We hit the road tomorrow morning early, headed for... State College, Pennsylvania, University Park, for the second straight year to play Penn State again. Uh, they're not ranked by the coaches for some reason, but Top Drawer has them number 1 nationally. They're loaded with talent, and that's where we start the year at Penn State, Friday night right here on BYU Radio. I'm looking forward to it. Great result last year, 3-2 mm-hmm. win. Ashley had the hat trick, uh, and that came in, I think, Game 3. And when it came, you were coming off a loss, and so it was a really important win that you got. And this year it starts the season. I'm pumped up for that. I know you are, too. We had out in the morning.
2: We do. Tom's coming with us as well. So, um, no pressure, right? (laughs) But, um, yeah, go out and play the number one team in the country. I I had an opportunity, you know, last year to, uh, to say that we'd be willing to come out and I jumped at it. Anytime you get to play a team like that national champions in 2015 I -hmm. believe, you know they're just always one of the very best teams. They're so well coached. They're so consistent. They get great players you know they didn't have top five of their you know better players last year throughout the season and they'll all be back. So I think that they will definitely be considered a a favorite for the national title this year and for us to have that chance to go out and play them you know it's only a win-win for us. We certainly go out expecting to win, as we always do when we step on the field. I think we have a great chance of doing that um, but if anything you know who doesn't want to go out and play the best team right at the beginning and see where you are
0: turned out well last year and BYU's never lost to Penn State they are 2-0 and all time against the Nittany Lions great coach there wonderful talent look forward to it Friday night this is my fourth year by the way calling BYU women's soccer on the radio and I just thank you personally for as kind as you've been and your players and coaches and staffers to me and, and helping me along as I get my feet wet with you guys and it's been an honor and a real pleasure to hang out with you guys be with you guys for so many great wins already I look forward to this weekend, the season to come and you've been great so thank you
2: Well thanks, we we feel fortunate to have you along Um, someone who calls football and basketball to call women's soccer I mean that's pretty fortunate, I don't think there's any teams out there that, that get that and just so you guys all know, Greg doesn't just show up and call our games, but he's with us all the time 24-7, and he's going grocery shopping, he's uh, helping Rach bring dinner, he's shagging balls, uh, we've got him a pair of soccer shoes, so he's learning uh, learning to do it out on the field too, so thanks for all you do for our program.
0: That's been a blast. And you're heading out from here uh, to a meet and greet event with some VIP uh, fans and boosters uh, and a uh, big part of your program that way. We'll let you get off to that. I'll see you there shortly, because I'll be joining you with that uh, for that in just a bit. So Jen, thank you for coming in. All
2: right. Thanks a lot, Greg. All
0: right. That is BYU head women's soccer coach Jennifer Rockwood entering her 23rd season at the helm here at BYU. Coming up next, we're catching up with the Cougars. Former Cougar linebacker and Indianapolis Colt Rob Morris will follow Jen in studio. Rob Morris is coming up next. This is Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel. You are tuned in on SiriusXM 143, byuradio.org, and the BYU Radio app. Rob Morris next. Stay with
3: us. The BYU License Plates. No matter where you are, you show your Cougar spirit and you make it possible for students to get an education. The donation you make when you get the license plates goes to support BYU scholarships. So whether spreading Cougar pride coast to coast or getting to the big game, you're also funding scholarship opportunities for BYU students.
0: Learn about free special plates today at alumni.byu.edu. plates
1: Welcome back to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel.
0: All right, so welcome back to Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel here on BYU Radio. He came to BYU from Nampa, Idaho, where he was born and raised. And before he was a fearsome linebacker, he was a bruising fullback for the Cougs after a mission to Toronto. What's up, Canada? His transformation to linebacker was complete and in his junior and senior seasons at BYU in 1998-1999, he became an All-American, drafted by the Indianapolis Colts in the first round of the year 2000. Uh, Rob went on, Rob Morris, that is, to an uh, eight-year career with the Colts and helped the team to win in Super Bowl 41. Now living locally, Rob retains his a Cougar ties through associations on the BYU coaching staff. And tonight we are catching up with Rob Morris as we go catching up with the Cougars, sponsored by BYU Alumni. Connected for good. Find your chapter and get connected at alumni.byu.edu/slash chapters rob morris is in studio two rob thank you for coming in
3: greg rubel rocket man i'm happy to be here can you announce me every time i go into public with that thing that makes me sound like a big deal when I, you say that i would be happy it.
0: to follow you around and just every time before you open your mouth i just give you that preface then just you just a carry fur on
3: Coat and a diamond gold grill we're <laughs> in business
0: all right um, do you embrace the long ago freight train moniker Um, Did you like it then? Do you like it now? How much does it come up? Are you tired of it? You deal with it? What's your feeling about it?
3: I did not. I do not. Yes. Tired of it. (laughs) No, you know what? It was was fine. It it was our sports information people trying to think of something good. And it, it wasn't my favorite, but... Those, those, those whistles kind of got old. I, I have tons of kindling, though, if I ever go camping, <laughs> Legend it has it
0: that you, in, a, in an interview at one time, mentioned uh, you know a big hit being like a freight train yeah. hitting a, I don't know, small car yeah, of some kind, kind, and they kind of picked it up and ran with it, and then it was a thing, and then as a thing, we had the freight train whistles, which I love, by the way, and then you became freight train, and that was that. I just kind of wondered if that's one of those things yeah. you're like, eh, take it or leave it.
3: Yeah, I mean, th- it's better than ties. Ties is just an article of clothing, like... Of course, he got the Heisman. So I guess there was
0: that. I guess I got and, a whistle at least. And and uh, and you know, freight train's not a bad thing to be known as as that in that particular position on the football field. I guess it beats um, you know feather soft or something like that.
3: Yeah, that was my nickname in high school.
0: actually. <laughs> Did you have an offensive or a defensive mentality uh, coming out of Nampa?
3: I was all offensive. I was I was geared up to play offense, and uh, really the the first people that kind of talked to me about playing defense was was Bill Walsh and Stanford at that staff because I had originally committed there and and uh, i didn't know you were a commit to them yeah I committed I gave him the handshake and looked him right in the eye and huh. I mean it was Bill Walsh so well, yeah, how do you not commit to him? but then there's Lavelle. I may or may not have committed to four or five other, <laughs> all, but, but uh you know ultimately uh, I, I wanted to play offense even post mission I still was trying to weasel my way on offense and you know that I think I've told this story a million times Lavelle rolls up to me in a golf cart one day and I want you to switch to defense. And, and I was kind of like, ah. Oh. And he said, you know, you are you could be a good fullback, but if you switch to linebacker, you'll play on Sundays.
0: He wasn't wrong about that. I was
3: a linebacker for the rest of my career. Uh,
0: Toronto, how would you enjoy life? Um, I mean, we say Toronto, but the Toronto mission doesn't mean you're in the city the entire time. Uh, can you rattle off the places you served in when you served in the uh, Canada-Toronto yeah. mission? Yeah, I was
3: never in the city. I was in Niagara Falls and Windsor and Hamilton and Brampton. Matter of fact, I was in Hamilton— when Kalen Hall was playing for the Tiger, Tiger Cats, Cats and yeah. I ran into him a few times. So,
0: so. K.J. Hall, currently in the running back stable. Dad Kalen, who played at BYU with Jamal Willis, ends up as a Hamilton Tiger Cat. I knew that as a CFL guy. And so, yeah, So the, uh, did your mission go as far north as Sudbury? Sudbury was
3: my last area. I was
0: born in Sudbury.
3: So what a horrible place! It I was makes, born. I understand you a lot better now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was born in Sudbury, Ontario, uh, but I we moved in my infancy. Uh, Sudbury is known for a couple of things. The world's largest, neither largest nickel. Them, neither the of them world's very flattering. Largest nickel. Exactly, the world's largest nickel. For a time, the world's tallest smokestack yeah. and uh, a landscape that resembles the moon—I think—were Sudbury's claims to fame. So uh, I left Sudbury as a as a as a wee 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 lad for Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, where I became a Rough Riders fan, and then to Calgary, where I became a Stampeders fan. That's my CFL life in a nutshell. But there you were uh, serving in Ontario. I am sure you love the Canadian people because who doesn't?
3: We all loved Hattie and I. I agree. I love it.
0: Exactly. So um, you come back and then you become a linebacker and ultimately a first-round draft pick uh, by the Indianapolis Colts. Not every NFL player gets to play his entire pro career with one team. Of course, it may happen if it's a brief career, but yours lasted eight years all with one team. We were at an event recently... Where we ended up uh, talking with uh, Jesse Sapolu. Mm-hmm, yeah. Now, there's a guy who had a, what, 15, 16 year yeah, career, and they were all with the 49ers. Yeah. That's a rare thing these days, isn't it? Someone like that or someone like you even to spend an entire career with one team. How is it like to always be a Colt? And then meeting Jesse was pretty cool too, wasn't
3: it? Yeah, meeting Jesse was amazing, I and mean, he's a legend. I remember watching him growing up for the Niners and all those great teams. But um, yeah, it was great. I loved Indianapolis, loved the organization. Obviously, you know, Bill Polian and I were close, and Tony Dungy was an amazing coach, and you know you got stability, obviously at the quarterback receiver position, and uh, so I love that. I always wanted to be back there, and I bounced around from middle linebacker to special teams player, and then obviously that last year I started at outside linebacker in the Super Bowl, and. And uh, it, was, it was a good experience. I loved it.
0: You bring up Tony Dungy. Uh, he wasn't your only coach. Played for two head coaches there. The first guy is Jim Mora. And the next guys, and the next guys, Tony Dungy. Uh, tough to find two more maybe uh. disparate pr- public personalities than Jim Mora to Tony Dungy. Uh, life with both coaches and the and the the contrast
3: there. Yeah, ex- extreme contrast. I mean, I was I was one room over in the locker room after that. For the for the playoffs rant, and uh, I remember when that happened, we we were kind of like the, the wheels are falling off this <laughs> thing. I think I'm pretty sure we're going to have a new coach next year. Coach and, just uh, lost it. I don't know yeah. where this is going. Yeah, but you know, I mean, I, I, it was interesting because when Bill Polian took over, he he brought in Jim Mora from the Saints, and, and Jim had a reputation of being able to turn teams around, and he did. they The first year they were three and thirteen, and then thirteen and three biggest turnaround in NFL history, and. I think a guy with his sort of fiery personality, you know, I think typically doesn't stay in places for 15 years, Of course, nobody does anymore, but um, he was hardcore, but the, the thing I loved about him is he would uh, he would tear apart Peyton Manning just as easily as he would tear apart the water boy. you know so it, it didn't matter. he was no respecter of person, so and then Tony came in and Tony was calm and he didn't yell. he didn't scratch I don't think I heard him yell. One time, and
0: For real? Like, like that, that was who he was? Curse. I mean, yeah. obviously
3: in the game, you know, he's yelling yeah. and stuff. But at practice, you just, you know, his philosophy was, look, if you guys want to win, this is how we got to practice. We got to do things right. We're not going to do a ton of things over because we're not going to get do-overs in the game. You tuck your shirt in when you come out. If you get in a fight in practice, I'm going to throw you out of practice. I'm going to find you just like you would in a game. You know, don't do dumb stuff. So
0: Commonalities there between Tony and Lavelle in that Lavelle wasn't a yeller. No. And he was very much that way along. The, he's not, he doesn't need to do that to get your attention.
3: Yeah, exactly. And, and those are the type of guys that you you know, you know just want to be successful. I mean, Tony and Lavelle, like the dirty look, there's nothing more horrible than that. I would much <laughs> rather have 20 F-bombs thrown at me than get that look of disappointment. That was horrible. I got that a lot. More did... from Lavelle than from Tony, but, but that was hard.
0: How, how did you disappoint Lavelle?
3: Well— There were no cell phones back then, so no cameras, no cell phone videos, so (laughs) I I, I can totally make stuff up. But no, I I think it was just, you know, we we were, uh, I was a little bit rowdy and I had a tendency to not always be where I was supposed to be and doing what I was supposed to do. But Lavelle would always call you in and give you that stern look and then say something profound like, don't do that anymore, and then turn you loose. But you knew that he cared and you knew that he was aware of what was going on in your life and... And uh, so it was great. You know, you wanted to not let him down.
0: Since his passing, I'm I'm sure you've had occasion where people encounter you and and have asked you for something about Lavelle that you remember or remember most fondly. What has been maybe your most common recollection that way?
3: Oh, man, there's so many stories. One that comes to mind, I was a true freshman. We were playing the Air Force, and I was a fullback, and I was on special teams. And Steve Christensen, something happened, and, you know, Bosco had the headsets on. He was giving the plays in, and... And Bosco, and they got into it, so and, and Barabi took his headphones off and put them down, and Lavelle put them on. And I'm standing right there waiting to go in, and, and Lavelle, I don't know, I may, I may be making this up in my mind, but I swear that Lavelle said into the headphones, uh, pass it, pass it, and then took the headphones off and put them down. And that was it. Like, I'm not 100% sure he knew yeah. what the names of the plays were. <laughs> he just knew pass it, run it, punt it. Um, so that he was great.
0: Uh, flipping back to what something you said a moment ago about stability at quarterback when you were a pro, stability at quarterback means Peyton Manning in that case. Yeah. Um, was Peyton the kind of guy that would have as many friends on the defensive side of the ball as the offensive side? Did you feel like you were somebody he uh, cared about, knew about as a defensive player on that team?
3: Absolutely. You know, I, I got there and he was one of the first people to call me, and uh, him and Ryan Robinson, one of our uh, PR guys, took me to lunch, and I was like, well, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm having lunch with Peyton Manning and the <laughs> You know, we'd go to dinner and then he would have this big Christmas party at his house and it was really it was really insane, Greg, because you'd have the players there, but you'd have the scouts there, the GM, the head coach, the coach's mom, the offensive the grumpy offensive line coach, Tom Moore. it was insane and they'd all be at his house and having food and and playing shuffleboard and and uh, that was just how it was. Now make no mistake. there was one reason to do that. it wasn't because he wanted the fellowship is cuz he thought somehow that would help us win more games and uh but that's just how he was. Good guy? Great guy, yeah. I mean, you know, when you're when you're that great, you you have an ego, but it it, it never flared up, it never, you know, that's you, always that's, he that, treated everyone the same. It's always the sense
0: I got that he was just yeah. a good guy, and I rooted for him uh, for that. Re- I was always a Peyton yeah. Manning fan, just because of who I thought he was. Um, and as you know, whenever BYU players end up somewhere, especially for a longer time in the NFL, BYU fans tend to gravitate toward that team and kind of adopt them. That's still what I do nowadays with uh, uh, with our guys, whether it's in, you know Danny Sorensen in Kansas City yeah. or, or Ziggy in Detroit or the guys with the Packers now, which is kind of how we are. Um, did you did you get that sense that Cougar Nation kind of followed you a little bit that way?
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, you you're kind of disconnected out there in Indianapolis, and you, you know, but um, you know, I would come home, and, and people certainly knew, particularly after the Super Bowl, and and uh, you know, some big playoff wins, and you know, of course, it's the questions. I I get two questions: right? who's the hardest running back to tackle, and what was Peyton Manning? Like? And so, <laughs> sorry, I threw I the just, Peyton Manning. thing No, no, at no you're but, good. Okay, it's okay, it's fine. It's just one of the most you know, hideous questions about the answer. Yeah,
0: great. I'm glad I asked it then. Um, So uh, when your NFL career ended, how did it end health-wise for you?
3: Uh, It ended uh, with me sitting on the back of a little cart, getting uh, driven off the field and put into an ambulance and taken to the hospital. And uh, that was it. I never made it back. Never got on the field. So played in the Super Bowl, played well, signed a three-year contract extension, and uh, four games into it, my quad tendon just exploded off my knee and that was it that was it i was done I, I i rehabbed and talked a little bit about coming back but i never you know, never so that was tough that's a tough way to go man i would have loved to have walked off you know steve young when john Elway, but uh whatever
0: so that's how your nfl career ends um how's your health nowadays
3: it's good i've had uh it's been good so i since since i retired i've had Three shoulder surgeries and a hip surgery, so that's not bad that's you know that that matches my three knee surgeries and a couple of hand <laughs> surgeries so. how are you feeling these days i feel pretty good i've I've dropped a few pounds and you know my job I get to work out all the time and, yeah,
0: what are you doing' Because your job's fascinating now tell us
3: yeah so I, I work for a a, a cosmetics company, <laughs> which is interesting But there's more had, yeah, yeah it's, it's um it's a company called unique and I owned a small gym and then and, and the uh the owner of Unique got referred to me, a guy named Derek Maxfield, and we became friends. And he offered me the job. And so, so I I am in charge of the wellness of our corporate employees, but I get to travel all over the world and and speak. And so, you know, I, I was uh, heading to uh, France and the UK next month, and and uh, the Dominican Republic. And so, it's a it's a good job. Good people, you know, it's a great, uh, it's a it's a good company. It, it has a great purpose. They they have a foundation. Uh, to help women who are sexually abused uh, in in their childhood. And and that's why I was founded. It's it's awesome. I, f- I feel like I'm part of something bigger. Because I I struggled for a long time post-retirement just being like, who who am I anymore? You know?
0: What's my purpose yeah, well, here? What's the point? Yeah.
3: I'm, I'm not the freight train anymore. <laughs> what do I do? So, so it's, it's great. So that's what I do.
0: And so wellness encompasses a lot of things. But I'm assuming that uh, you get to stay physically active and fit as part of this whole thing.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I... Uh, I work out actually with Derek every day, and uh, we, we we joke a lot. I I hashtag him, hideous to humongous. <laughs> when I met him, he had a lot of issues. It was interesting because I met him, and physically he was kind of broken, and emotionally I was kind of broken and trying to figure it out, and, and uh, it's, a good, it's a good team.
0: Okay, this is not a 30-second question. Bad question to ask with 30 seconds to go, but you had a taste of BYU football and the coaching staff as a grad assistant. Did it for a season, enough for you to whet your appetite, give you a sense, and then it was off to something else.
3: Yeah, enough enough for me to realize if I'm not getting paid exorbitant amounts of money, I don't really want to be around football all the time. Uh, it was a good experience, though. and uh, I loved I seeing
0: it. you for the time I got to see you. That was just cool to have you back. I it think was... I
3: goof around way too much to be a football coach, though. So.
0: And, and the guy you worked closely with them was Mark Weber. somebody you're still close yeah, with. Yeah, great approach. guy. Yeah, yeah. One,
3: of my, one of my closest. And Mark's
0: friends. still around. By the way, I've seen Mark recently, and it's good to have him back in the neighborhood. It was great to have you in my radio neighborhood uh, tonight, Rob. I really anytime. do appreciate it.
3: Absolutely, anytime.
0: Let's hit the music and uh, get on out of here for episode number three. This has been Behind the Mic with Greg Rubel on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, radio.org and the BYU Radio app. Thanks to Rob Morris, Jed Rockwood, Jerem Jordan. We'll do this again next Wednesday at 6. Good night, folks. Go Cougars.